Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Brooke. And we're coming to you today from our respective home offices in Portland, Oregon. Raise the bar on food for work. Add DoorDash for Work, a C-Vent partner, to your employee benefits package. DoorDash for Work provides meal benefits and food perks for both virtual and in-office needs. To sign up, please visit work.doordash.com. And today we have Sarah Peck, the Executive Director at Startup Parent, to talk to us about her expertise with building communities online. That's right. She comes with some excellent tips on building values, fostering genuine connections, and also some great advice on how to keep the focus on diversity and inclusion with events. Yeah, so let's see what Sarah has to say. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for joining the podcast. But before we get started, can you tell us just a little bit about how you became the executive director of Startup Pregnant? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And thanks for having me. It's so good to be here. I run a company. It's called, actually, we just changed our name. I should have given you the the clue, but um, we're Startup Parent now. We used to be Startup Pregnant. We've been there for three years. And I started the company accidentally when I was working at a Y Combinator-backed company in Manhattan. And we, uh, I got pregnant, and I was working at a tech company with a bunch of dudes who I love and who are good friends of mine, but I was like, this is insane. Startup Pregnant is really, really hard. And I thought I would start a podcast around it. I thought I would write a book around it. And then people started giving me money for the podcast and money for programs that I was doing. And I looked at my husband and I was like, this smells like a business. I uh, think I've accidentally started one of these things. And he laughed and he was like, it doesn't surprise me at all. So um, then I had to give myself a title. I am the founder. I'm technically the CEO, but I think it's pretty silly sometimes to call yourself the CEO when you're a company of one. So I went with executive director and I thought I would give myself a title up level when I finally had employees. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yes, that is such a cool. So I love hearing how these things all start. Like where did the idea come from? And it sounds like your focus has really been building communities online, but not just for pregnant moms, which probably has something to do with the name change. But, you know, since we live in this digital world, can you tell us about how you're building communities for all of these working parents? Yeah, so the foundation of our company is like one of the pillars is that community and conversation drives change. So it's C plus C equals C, which I love. But I am in the business of creating space for community and space for conversation. And one of the things I knew firsthand from my own experience, but also from talking to so many other women and then to so many other parents, is that. we just wanted to connect to other people. How are you doing it? How are you handling it? What is it like for you? Like, are, do you feel as stressed and strapped as I do? And how did your career change? And, you know, did you, did you like your children after you had them? Like all sorts of questions that we wanted to talk about and ask that I was having a hard time finding more information around. So we have, we started with a podcast, the Startup Parent Podcast. And Interestingly, that actually is a wonderful place to start community. I'm sure you two experience this also because people Mm -hmm. reply to you. And like when you get to listen to a 60 minute or 90 minute in-depth conversation with someone, you feel like you're getting to know them. And then listeners reply and conversations get started on the internet, whether it's like in comments or elsewhere. So that was the first part of community. Um, and then we have an online group of parents, of working parents that talk to each other. We have one group on Facebook and one group on LinkedIn. And they're 
the only difference between the two of them is that the Facebook group is a women's only group and the LinkedIn group is for all parents. Um, and then from there, we have a series of paid offerings where people can pay to join our year-long membership community as well. Right. That's really cool. You know, I was thinking about this while you were saying it. So I just had a coworker who just had twins and I'm, I'm not a parent, but it sounds like having twins is like a whole different ball game. And so mm -hmm. she did a lot of communicating with other parents of twins and like what to expect. You know, she was always talking about those connections that she was making. So I think it's really cool that that's what you guys are really focusing on. I heard LinkedIn, I heard Facebook, but are there any other technologies that you're using to make sure that those connections are being made? Yeah, so so the way that we structure our like our, our company right now is every the first every month we have one free and open call for parents to come together and basically just like let it out, blurt it out, let it out, whatever you got to do, like vent, um, cry, like ask questions about twin, being a twin mom. And so on the first Friday of every month, we have an hour set aside where parents can come together. And I guide this hour long call in a very specific manner. And I know you have geeked out about event design, but I, I try to, and it's, this is a challenging event to do as an organizer, but I try to create space where people who have never met before, who don't know each other, who maybe have only ever heard me by audio, come into a Zoom room, and we are going to go uh, down through the layers of vulnerability to create a space for you to share in small groups. We're going to have a small group for 20 minutes, and then we're going to come back up with the scaffolding that I create, and then I'm going to leave you at the end, not like you've opened your blouse and then I haven't buttoned you back up again, but I am going to help you put your clothes back on and not feel so vulnerable at the end so that you feel good when you leave the end of the call and like, oh my gosh, how wonderful is it to be seen and to talk to other parents? And I think there's a lot of art in doing that well. It's not like you just open up a Zoom room and say, all right, guys, let's get started, right? There's so much... Uh, design in that one call. And the reason that I invite people to this free call is because I want them to see and experience what our group programs are like. I want them to be like, oh, oh, I would love to be in a weekly call with Sarah. I am signing up next year. I'm going to be a part of this program. I get it. It's not a draining, boring Zoom room where people are going to just, like, you know what the Zoom rooms nowadays, especially during the pandemic, where you feel like exhausted yeah. at the end, your eyes oh, are kind yes. of bleeding, you're like, <laughs> your oh, yes. lower back hurts. Yeah, yes. the Zoom <laughs> fatigue, right? <laughs> so my only goal as a facilitator is that you feel better at the end than when you started. Love it. Yeah. And I mean, so you brought up a really good point. So I'm thinking about how you're operating pre-COVID versus, you know, the situation we're in right now. And I know that one of the challenges in the world that we're living in is to facilitate real valuable and intimate connections using online experiences. What have you done to create genuine connections? Oh, you know, I mean, we can dig deep into this, um, just even the event design and people who are listening, you're welcome to come join first Friday uh, of every month, but we can dig deep into the event design of that specific one call. Um, uh, because, because I've been doing this, so I've been doing this for about four or five years now, doing all online community, all online event design, um, digital. And so COVID came and I was like, well, I guess I'm in the right business um, because everyone now is switching a lot in a lot of ways to virtual to create and facilitate genuine connections. People think you need like the right tool, 
And I see people go back and forth all the time. Oh, I'm going to go Facebook. Now I'm going to go to LinkedIn. I'm going to try Mighty Networks. Actually, I'm going to try Access Alley. I'm going to try, and we jump around from thing to thing, Cisco to WebEx to all the different tools you can use. And it's not really about the tool. I think you can cut straight to the chase and, and say that all of the tools are flawed. I love you tools. I love you very much, but they're all flawed. So none of them are going to give you a perfect situation. In fact, it's just like humans, right? All humans are flawed. Um, and you're just going to do your best <laughs> with what you get. Uh, and it's more about the container that you create as a facilitator, the community guidelines and the rules of engagement, and the strength of the facilitation and the group rules in this container that create the space for authentic experiences. And I can go into some of those examples if that's useful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really love to hear more because I mean, I, I hear this passion about creating those core values and I just getting some more advice about if you were going to talk to somebody about coming up with meaningful values when creating the online community, like what advice do you have for anybody who's listening who's really like catching on to this? Yeah, so one of the things I think to remember, and this might be gendered, but I'm not, I'm not a man, so I don't know the experience of my men friends. But as a woman, sometimes it can be hard to stand up and own the room and to like be confident in having the ability to remember that people want to be there and they want to listen to you. The people who sign up want you to be strong and to lead. So not to apologize first of all, but to set the stage and, and not rush in the first few minutes to say, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Here's who I am. Here's a little bit of my story. Let me tell you what we're doing here today. That's the first thing I do. Set the stage, give them a glimpse of who you are and uh, a tiny bit of vulnerability if you can. Like tell them why, give them their, your why. Why did you start this? What's the reason? From there, I like to get people engaged right away. So yes, set the stage, but do it in just a couple of minutes. Don't go on for 20 minutes about yourself, please. That's too long. Um, <laughs> right? Then I like to do these popcorn questions to get everyone engaged really fast. So if you have a Zoom room of 20 people or a Zoom room of 40 people, I usually do on a scale of one to 10, I ask a bunch of popcorn questions. Like on a scale of one to 10, use your fingers to show me how many consecutive hours of sleep did you get last night? And people are like, four, three, right? These are parents with young kids, so they're not sleeping very much. And then everyone laughs, right? Oh, I see. And I call out some of these names and I say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, um, how's your rage? Like, how angry are you right now? Okay, on a scale of one to 10, how, what's the cuteness factor like? And I try to dig into some of the things that tap into their, in, their energy, their mood, their emotions, um, and how they're doing. And what that does within just a couple of minutes, it lets people feel seen feel heard, uh, but it also doesn't take, imagine if you had 40 minutes and you took one minute per person. You're not spending the entire Zoom call catching up on every single individual. So that's how I like to start. Um, the next thing I do is, so I'm a trained yoga teacher. I have people take a breath. I just say, and you can do this right now with me. I say, all right, just you know, settle your, settle your um, seat into your chair and do me a favor and just take a big breath through your nose. Now exhale, roll your shoulders down your back. And I have them do that a couple of times. Oh my gosh, just I'm to so settle. relax. I know I did, I did. I did. I don't think I've done that. I don't think I've done that in a week. <laughs> okay, so do one more. So like take a breath through your nose. And now I want you to flutter your lips. So make a sound. Go. <laughs> 
Okay, the last thing I want you to do, I want you to wiggle your neck. Like, shake your head like a bobblehead. Okay. Uh, okay. Feel a little better? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it feels like there's some blood flowing, right? That's, <laughs> right. That's, right. That's right. So um, sometimes I'll do stretches. So here's a cheesy one. I'll have people interlace their fingers with their hands. Um, so you like interlace your fingers together and then you press your hands up to the ceiling. So it opens up your shoulders, right? Ooh. And then I have you, um, you're going to have to imagine this because we can't see each other, but um, now release your fingers and then bring your arms into the shape of a W. Understand what oh. I'm saying? Okay, now turn your hands to the outside. Uh huh. Okay, so when you're on a Zoom room, what I have people do is I say, now high five everyone. So you're going to push to the side. Yes. Out to the side. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a really good virtual, like, fun. I like that. That's right. So I want to get it's all like there's, there's little tiny elements, but I want to people, get people into their breath, their body connect it to each other and a quick read on how they're doing. And you can do that all within the first 10 minutes of any Zoom call and people will feel better. They'll relax, they'll be in their bodies and then they'll like let down their guard a little because they're not coming in with all the like shoulders all the way up to their ears, stress. My boss just told me this thing. My small child has a poopy diaper, all the stress. So creating that container, that's like the first 10 minutes of the design. And then we go into, I mean, so many things we could de construct it for hours and I do need to teach a class on this eventually um but that's like that's how that's the start of the container that we create that's that so is cool. so cool I love it I feel like like I was saying I feel like the blood is kind of rushing to my head a little bit and I feel a little bit more awake and um I I love this and and, and I know you do need to teach a class on this but you kind of already do something like this for college for parents I heard Mm, um, yes. Yeah, it's a couple of times a year, right? Can you tell our listeners about your experience facilitating those brain trusts where the, you know, the leaders come together and learn to grow? Yeah, so, so I have two different programs that I run and they're all a year long. So I loved college for many reasons. I was a college swimmer and I loved being a part. I mean, some parts of college I did not like as much. I was, um, I was very square. I did not understand alcohol. So there's parts of college that I missed. So I, um, I, you know, turned 35 and I thought like, I really, I wish that we could have more of this. I want a year where I get to meet a whole bunch of people and be in close proximity to them. And I don't like reading these articles on the Atlantic that say, you know, adults only have an average of like one to three friends. I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. Like, I don't want that for my life. So I run the Wise Women's Council, which is a nine-month program. We start in March, we end in November, and it's a nine-month program where parents, women, come together and um, get to journey together for a full year, and they're part of a class, and I'm working on making a yearbook for the end of each class, um, and we meet about once a week, uh, and I love it. I love it so much, and there's, it, to give you a sense of the structure, we do a couple of things. We do four things. Basically, there's one thing a week. Uh, the first week of the month, we have an all-group call. Everybody gathers. And I do something like what I just explained. You know, hello, everyone. And then we do some breakout rooms, and we do some themes and fun stuff. The second week is small groups and group coaching. So people meet within, and they gather with just a couple of other people, and I give them a template. I'm like, here are the questions you're going to answer. These are the conversations I want you to start and have. It's going to, you know, you're going to have a Zoom room for this long. If you can't make a Zoom room, you're going to have a Voxer channel. And this is how it starts and this is how it ends. The third week of the month, we have a guest teacher who comes in and teaches on a specific topic. And then the fourth week of the month, we have 
book club. So each month we have an optional book. And because these are parents, I tell them over the course of nine months, I'm going to pick up nine books and I want you to read two of them. That's it. You That's don't like, odd. this isn't a grade, but it's just a guide. <laughs> so it's like, you get to learn, you get to use your brain, you get to connect with other people. And there are actually only a couple of events on your calendar because one of the biggest blockers for parents is adding a specific calendar event. That can be really hard to do. And if you miss something, I record it all. I put it on a portal and I have a private podcast with all of our content. So a lot of times people, they'll miss every other month. Like they can't make the all group call, but they'll listen to the playback on the podcast and feel just as connected. That's what I really like about your approach is it's like, okay, we're being realistic. We're talking to parents here. We're not holding you to like every month at this time. Like there has to be some flexibility, but just making that really accessible for them. That's 100% correct because I don't think, like, there's so many, so many of us get into this trap when we make events or sales pages that we think that more is better. Like, you're going to have a conference. There's going to be 20 sessions, but wait, there's more. We're also going to have like 100 panels, but wait, there's more. You're going to have like 14 pieces of something in a swag bag, but wait, there's more. We're going to email you 27 times. And for some reason, we think that's good, like more yeah. is better. And the actual experience is that we end up feeling overwhelmed right? Yeah. And then we feel like we are behind. I can't tell you how many people tell me, oh, I felt behind. Oh, I couldn't do it. Oh, I couldn't stay caught up. I couldn't catch up. And that's not a pleasant experience. Like I don't want to live my life feeling like I'm constantly behind. There's already enough pressure to be productive and to do more. So yeah. I really, and this is part of setting the strong container in the beginning. I have a whole video in the beginning that says, you do you. If all you want to do is the group calls and you want to skip book club, be my guest, like go leafly check that off your to-do list or like just cross that, cross that right out. If you want to join a small group, that's optional. Some people really want it. Some people would say not my year. If you want to attend half of the guest teachers, that's awesome. But what I need you to do, and this is part of my, uh, like, I think that when you design something, you should have an agenda. Like, what are you trying to teach people? What are, what are the skills and the tools that you're trying to teach people? And, and as a, business owner and a facilitator, one of my goals is to help give people back their own agency. Um, another one of my goals is to create meaningful and genuine connections and community. But I am constantly giving people the tools or hoping to give people the tools to have their own agency around choosing and deciding. And I want you by the end of the year to feel even more confident in saying, you know what? I came here to the Wise Women's Council. She had nine amazing teachers. I picked the two that were best for me. And I learned about like investment basics and I learned about setting boundaries and saying no. And it was an incredible year. That's really cool. You kind of, you really caught my attention too when you were like, we're going to have 20 sessions and you know, <laughs> that piece, because it's sort of this thing that all of these planners and event professionals are going through right now when we're starting to think about moving from in-person to virtual, because it's just like, you can't do that. You don't have the captive attention that you might've had like on site in Vegas. And so you're seeing a lot of event planners and producers thinking about how we can scale down while creating even more meaningful um, experiences. And I think a lot of this advice you're giving is really, really helpful. You know, I, to layer onto that, if we have just a minute here, um, I, like, I think there's actually something healthy about creating a little bit of tension and a little bit of scarcity. And I see so many people like adding more elements, like, 
We're going to have a conference and we'll have a Slack room and we're going to have like a private Facebook group and you can stay in touch with everyone forever. Plus you're going to connect with all 300 attendees on LinkedIn. And again, not, that doesn't really help. And I think there's a quiet power and a strength to curation. And it's something people are really hungry for. I don't want to do the work of figuring out which things are the most important. I actually want you to have a point of view about it as an event designer. And if you come and you say, um, we are going to curate the 10 most important talks on this industry topic that you need to know, and that's it, right? There's not gonna be a Facebook group, there's not going to be a Slack channel, there's not gonna be all these extra padded. This is the core, and you don't wanna miss this. I think that's actually quite powerful and strong as a position. Yeah, no, I mean, it completely makes sense. Like, don't, don't ask me to go wade through a bunch of stuff and figure out what's gonna help me. Tell me, and I'll show up for that hour or right. whatever it might be. Um, another thing that, you know, we've been thinking about, and this might be kind of a, a sharp left turn here, but gender, race, equality, um, creating events that are inclusive and diverse. You know, I know you've talked about this a little bit. Is there anything you can share with our listeners, event professionals to think about, especially when they're going virtual or hybrid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I... I'll share two things. The first is like a point of view on, or my philosophy on this. I think, I think if you approach diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism work as something that you just have to check off and then you're done, like we're going about it the wrong way. Uh, this is lifelong work. And I personally, like I love learning. So I'm excited about learning lots of new things, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable or a lot bit uncomfortable. Uh, every time I do a new project or a new adventure, I learn something new. And right now, one of my edges is learning how to rewire my brain to not constantly talk about um, mental health in a cavalier way. So, you know, we say like, oh, that drives me insane or that makes me mad or like all these things that we say that are making fun of people who actually have psychological struggles that they're working with. I'm not going insane. I'm not insane, right? Maybe I am, maybe I'm not, you know, we can determine that with the psychologist later. But so for example, that's something I'm learning and, and I treat it as a challenge. So every time I catch myself doing it, I'm like, oh, what word would be better here? Like, like, this isn't driving me bonkers. What is this doing to me? Well, this is irritating the, the poop out of me. That's what it's doing. <laughs> you know? So that attitude of engagement and learning, I think, is really important, first of all, as a philosophical approach. If you are trying to achieve and win and, like, get, a, get, a, get an A on your diversity efforts, um, that's, not, that's not how it works. But the other thing, I think, how to stay inclusive and diverse at events is to remember that it's not enough to ask an equal number of people what matters is the result. So I work with a lot of people who say, well, I, you know, I invited 10 men, I invited 10 women to be on this panel, and um, all of the men said yes, and two of the women said yes, and so now we have like a really lopsided panel, and I did my best, what can I do? right? Kind of shrugging up and giving up. Your commitment needs to be in the outcome, not in the energy. And equity is not about doing the equal thing at the beginning. Equity is about having an equitable or equal outcome. And it will take more work to get parents and women and people of color and indigenous people onto panels because they are disproportionately affected by the systemic problems and failings in our country. Why can't women be on panels? Well, women ha are more responsible for childcare, for example, and they get paid less. And so they can't necessarily skip work 
uh, if they're going to lose out money. So I've had so many people invite me to be on panels and I have to call them and explain to them in order for me to get childcare, for me to fly to your event unpaid, to be in a hotel room, which yes, you're putting up. Okay. That's great. You know, they cover the basic costs. Um, for three days, if my husband is not on board, that costs me personally somewhere from two to $3,000. I can't spend that much money just to attend the panel. And unfortunately, we live in a world where men often have wives at home, so they can. And so that's where the struggle and the equity challenge lies. So when we are thinking about gender and race and class equity, we have to remember that maybe we pay the people who would not otherwise be able to attend. Maybe we don't pay the person who is the big name ticket $20,000 and not pay everyone else. But we actually shift that on its head and we say, you know what? It is so important to us that we have an event that represents the real world and that um, is an anti-racist and progressive organization that we are committed to doing this. And we aren't going to put the event on until we have these metrics satisfied. I just really love what you said that it, you know, you can put effort in to, to have diversity, but it really matters what the end result is and how you get people in there. And I really hope that maybe that's a silver lining to what the, what we're experiencing right now in the virtual world, or maybe it is a little easier now for us to be inclusive because we don't have to worry about the childcare situation as much because people are kind of juggling that right now at home. But I just, I really love what you said about that. You've, I, we love having other podcasters on our podcast. So I have to ask you our favorite question, which is if you had to just leave one takeaway or piece of advice for our listeners, what would that be? Mm, yeah. So this is... Uh, Hardest uh, question you're going to get all day. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's I like hard. It. It's hard. I, uh, I, I actually spent some time developing like my personal life philosophy. And some of those statements go into my company core values. And one of them is, we don't have to do things the way they've always been done. So that's like, I use, I have that written on a post-it on my fridge. I have no tattoos, much to my husband's chagrin but I'll probably get that tattooed on my body. And that's, uh, that's like everything is open and up for grabs and we can invent the future the way that we want it to be. We do not have to keep doing things the way they've always been done. It's just such a freeing statement for me. It's a reminder that if I'm feeling stressed and frazzled or if I have Zoom fatigue on those silly calls that keep happen happening, I can say, wait a second, let's breathe together. Let's try something new. Let's do audio only. Let's say no to Zoom. Let's not do Facebook. We don't have to do things the way they've always been done. And in fact, there might be genius there. I love that. I think that's actually really solid advice for just about anybody. Um, just because things are the way they are doesn't mean they have to continue that way. So I love it. Um, is there anything you want to promote or maybe share with our listeners while we have you on the podcast? Yeah, sure. If you're a parent, or even if you're not a parent, but I tend to find my podcast resonates with parents. I run the Startup Parent Podcast. And every year we have a community of parents that journey together. It's like college for adults, but it's not $200,000. It's um, it's like three to $5,000. So if you want to join the Wise Women's Council, you can. If you apply early, it's like $2,500, which is great. Um, but that will, applications open up in January. And I was going to say podcast. You can find me on Instagram. Instagram, the Wise Women's Council. Oh, and if you're not a parent, the other program that I run under sarahkpeck.com, that's my other website. Um, I run a group, same thing. It's called Focus. It's for uh, anyone, right? You don't have to have little, little kids. And we meet twice a month, um, check in, 
and uh, there's the check-in call where you just get to hang out with each other at the top of the month and talk about what we want to do like what are we trying to work on and then mid-month we do hot seats where we do a little breakdown of like okay we've wanted to do this for three months it's not moving forward how can we get unstuck so those are my two flagship programs, um, Focus and the Wise Women's Council. One of them, all genders, don't have to have children. The other one, I prefer if you are a woman or woman identifying and you have some sort of children in your life so that we can curate those conversations around parenting and work. I think that's awesome. And Sarah, it, we'll go ahead and post uh, the links to, to all those resources on our, our podcast. So um, for our listeners out there, go and check it out. And I hope somebody enrolls in your college. So um, Sarah, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And we just really appreciate your time. It was so much fun doing those exercises right at her desks. Right, Brooke? I loved it. I feel amazing. I'm actually going to make everyone do these exercises on my next call. And I really hope some of you check out Sarah's College for Parents. It sounds like a blast. Yeah, I do too. And if anyone out there would like to be on the show, just reach out at podcast at cvent.com. And before you know it, we're going to have another great episode for you. So we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.